Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Nobody really needs or wants home security until it's too late. You've heard the statistics about how many burglaries there are per day. You see the news. You know there are people out there that do bad things. The best way to help protect your home and your property is with an ADT monitored system from Protect Your Home, an ADT-authorized premier provider. Call right now to get a free wireless home security system valued at $850. An ADT monitored system can help protect your home from fires, theft, floods, and call for emergency help. Call now to find out more about our $850. $50 free wireless home security system and start enjoying the peace of mind of security today. Call 800-561-2351. 800-561-2351. This offers for new customers only. Termination fees apply. $99 customer installation charge and 36-month monitoring agreement required. All for details. License terms and conditions available at secureathome.com. This is a national health alert from the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one has diabetes, listen closely. Now, regardless of your age, if you have insurance, you may qualify to receive diabetic testing supplies with little to no out-of-pocket costs. Get free delivery, free information, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers for free. Call the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline now for details. But wait, there's more. If you call right now, you could get a free meter upgrade. In addition, we'll give you a free pedometer as our special gift to you. We have knee, back, and other braces available, as well as pharmacy services. Regardless of your age, if you suffer with diabetes and you have insurance, we can help. 888-303-9136. 888-303-9136. 888-303-9136. That's 888-303-9136. Welcome, welcome everyone to Marvelous Monday. We are so happy to be here with you on this Monday night. Before we get started, let me tell you how you can always find us, listen to our live programs and our archived episodes. Um, you can always dial 515-605-9375 during any live program to listen by phone. You can also find us at our uh, 24-hour network, blogtalkusa.com, our blog talk radio channel, blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash blogtalkusa, and you can also find us in podcast form on iTunes, Apple Radio, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can find po- and download podcasts, you can find our programs, Blog Talk USA podcast. However you're finding us, we thank you for for doing that, for coming back and listening and sharing our information with others. Uh, Without you, we really just aren't this big old family that we are, so thank you. Okay, I know we've got a great show lined up, so let's not delay any longer. Your host, my mother, Dr. Shirley McKellar, is here. Welcome, Dr. McKellar. 
Thank you. Thank you. And good evening, Ms. Rihanna. And how are you doing? It is always a pleasure to talk to you and have you right here. I know you're such a busy mother taking care of those beautiful girls and being very active in their lives. So it's always a pleasure when you can sneak away and get back on radio because it's hard yes. to have this show without you. <laughs> Greetings. It's Monday today. Yes, yes. happy Monday. Yes. Very good, very good. Well, yes, you're right. We do have an amazing show tonight, and we're so excited to have uh, people that are reaching out to us in East Texas, even though we're all over the nation but we sit right here, even that you're not here in East Texas, but you are here in East Texas. So it's always a pleasure to have uh, candidates to reach out to us and, and let us know uh, what they plan to do for us if and when they become elected uh, into their particular offices. And let me first uh, say that we thank each and every person who decides to step up to the plate, step out, and run for a public office. We're excited about that. But, Ms. Rihanna, before we really get into this show, let me tell you, my heart was broken on yesterday, just like yes. all the other people around the world, not just in the United States of America, but around the world. And that was none other than the death of uh, one of our heroes in this country, yes. uh, Mr. Cole. Bryant and his lovely daughter and all the other people that uh, accompanied him uh, on that uh, final ride on that helicopter uh, just devastated. Yeah. Yeah. And to, oh my goodness, I, I, there are not words in my vernacular to tell you how, how hurtful it was to get that news. And of course, we were having right. a candidates forum on yesterday afternoon here in Tyler, Texas, and it was just, it was pretty hard to move forward. People were just devastated. They were paralyzed. Right. And, and you would find pockets of people standing here and talking and sobbing and, and just really hurtful. So our prayers go out Absolutely. to all of the, uh, those immediate family members uh, that mm-hmm. this tragedy has touched. And, and I understand tragedy. And so yeah. uh, we're, just, we're just sorrowful. That's that. right. Well, and not only, yeah. to, uh, not only to the Bryant family, um, and of course, Vanessa Bryant, who has lost a child now and husband, um, but they're aboard that uh, helicopter, it's just important that we acknowledge that lots of families were really broken uh, because of this horrible, horrible accident. Mm-hmm. There was... Um, a baseball coach, his wife, and right. their daughter all yeah. lost and left behind another one child who was not traveling with them, as well as another mother and daughter traveling yeah. with them, and mm-hmm. a, uh, ment- a go- girls' basketball coach and mentor to the young girls who were traveling, yeah. including Kobe Bryant's daughter, has left behind her husband and children, and the yeah. pilot. Uh, you know, has left behind his family as well. Just a, a horrible tragedy. So I just want to acknowledge all of them as well. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I said everybody, everybody that that's was on right. the same were touched. Because yes, you're right. Just look, just sitting here listening to you talk about the various things and, and those young children uh, that were mm-hmm. there, that their lives were, were cut short. But, you know, my goodness, 
what can I say that death comes when we don't we we least expect it. I was I was sharing uh, today with my daughter who actually is on with us tonight, uh, Dr. Denya, and I was sharing with her that since December the twenty third, I've had twenty one people up close and yeah. personal that I know very well uh, that have passed away, and so and and, and as I said. Kobe Bryant it was just like family because he's been in our home since we were since he was 17 years of age. I I forget right. how young he really is because he's been around and we've been watching him uh, play basketball since he was a teenager, such a youngster, right. you know. So it's a tragedy. So our pa- our prayers go out uh, to that family. Well, I'm ready to get going, Miss Rihanna, uh, because we we I, I, I'm getting the clicks. That's saying, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. <laughs> so uh, so we're, we're excited to have uh, the uh, uh, Mike Bloomberg campaign on with us tonight, several of the, the persons. And, and we're still pushing and prodding. We want, we want to hear immediately from the candidates, but, but if we can't always get the candidates. We're always excited to have on our show with us people that come from the various and sundry uh, campaigns throughout the nation. As we know, Mr. Michael uh, Bloomberg is running for president. He, well, we're, we're going to let them talk about who he is. So I'm not sure who, I don't know if Ms. Linda Brown is on, but I know Ms. Amanda Feeney is on out of New York. Uh, Ms. Amanda, uh, I think your line is already open. Is that right, Ms. Rihanna? No, we, gonna no, uh, okay. the, we need the Bloomberg oh, campaign reps to press one at this time. So I can open up your phone line. Yes, and I know I know Dr. Nichols is here, uh, one of our one of our team members, and I know Mr. Arthur uh, is on out of Dallas, and and we want the Bloombergs to know that we have people from all over the nation that tunes in. Uh, Miss Rihanna actually is out in Kentucky, and then uh, Mr. Arthur is out there in Dallas, Texas, and and so various places all over this nation are listening in to hear just exactly what the Bloomberg campaign is going to bring to us if, in fact, uh, he becomes president of the United States of America. So let's get going. All right, now let's see. Uh, Miss Amanda, if you press Hi, one. Hi, Dr. Shirley. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am, I can hear you, and thank you, and thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. No, Are you so thank far? you. I'm, I'm so excited to be here on a marvelous Monday, so thank you for having me. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. And let me just point out to everyone that that Miss Amanda reached out to me and then she came right straight on in to East Texas and she attended our 112th year celebration of Alpha Kappa Alpha Storage Incorporated. And she says, well, my mother is a Delta, but I'm coming <laughs> to, uh, to help celebrate. And I said, well, that's okay. We understand that. It, they all We all do great work. So it was a pleasure <laughs> to have to come uh, into Tyler, Texas, and be with us on that very special day. Now, are you no, solo? No, absolutely. Is, yes, yes, it was, it was beautiful. Is Miss Linda Brown on with you tonight? I, I don't. 
I don't know don't if she you. is. It might just be me tonight, okay. um, but I'm okay. sure we'll we'll rotate. We'll all tag team at some point in time because we <laughs> we can't get good. enough of you, Dr. Shirley. You know? Oh, you're so kind. I'm, I, and I didn't pay her for that. Everybody, just know that. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a, in all honesty, it's such a pleasure. And let me just share with you. We'll just tell you right straight up front that we ask the tough questions. Uh, on this show, and so I'll begin, and and Miss Rihanna is our engineer that runs everything for us out there, all the way out there in Kentucky, but you would think that she's sitting right here in the same building with me because she does an amazing job with that. And so when, you ha- when you're when you on Marvelous Monday with us, you're going to get pockets of people everywhere. We also have another co-host who lives out in Southern California uh, by the name of Bishop L.J. Guillory. So, uh, so you're going to get pockets of America all over the place. So let, let me begin. I will begin uh, uh, first, and then after that, we'll bring some of the team members in. I know that they'll have uh, questions for you uh, as well. So uh, I, I want to say, first of all, that that, that I, I want to really, really thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule, because I know how busy it is to run a campaign and to run one that is nationwide is just amazing. But I do like the fact that you recognize the importance of East Texas. And I tell everybody that you cannot win Texas unless you come to East Texas. So I thank you for dropping in uh, at East Texas. I want to first uh, begin. Yes, uh, Miss Amanda, I, I just like to, to let the listeners know uh, a little bit about the leadership style and ability of uh, of the mayor, the prior mayor we know, and some of his philosophies and what what you feel that well you I know you know the the candidate because otherwise you wouldn't be working uh, with him. So <laughs> give us some give us some whatever it is that you feel that we should know about his his leadership styles and his abilities and some of his philosophies that he wants to bring to America and why he decided. Uh, to run for this office? Yeah, no, those are great questions, Dr. Shirley. Um, and, and I'll just start a little bit with to, to inform your your uh, listeners a little bit about who I am. Um, so, you know, I'm originally from South Carolina um, and, you know, grew up in a primary state. And I think politics was always very much at the forefront, you know, uh, of my upbringing and, and the dinner table and conversations because, you know, all of the candidates want to flood in uh, right before the South Carolina primary, and you really do get a one-on-one hand point and touch with them, uh, which I think is so important. And, you know, I was lucky enough to to be uh, raised in a state that you can really get that in-depth connection and really, you know, go make phone calls at, you know, Kiki's Chicken and Waffles or, you know, go, like, sit next to you know, Chelsea Clinton and, and canvas with her out in, out in our neighborhoods, et cetera. So I think, it, you know, I was really blessed as an early, at an early age to get that in-depth contact from candidates um, and have that privilege to work on President Obama's reelection in 2012 and uh, Secretary Clinton's in 2016. And so, you know, I, I definitely thought that I was going to be sitting this one out, uh, Dr. Shirley, until about, you know, six, seven weeks ago um, when, <laughs> when uh, Mayor Bloomberg announced. Um, I was currently living in Seattle, and so I kind of uprooted my life and, and packed up and moved to New York, where, where headquarters is based. Um, and, you know, I think that for me, uh, Mayor Bloomberg really 
it really comes down to I think he's the only one that can beat Donald Trump, you know, and I think we have a lot of great Democratic candidates in the race, um, you know, that are doing amazing things and have done incredible, you know, work in their full careers. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is, like, Mayor Bloomberg is the only one that can beat Donald Trump and, and win us back the White House. And I think it speaks to, you know, his incredible record from, like, being a businessman to his philanthropy and the work that he has done at mayor. But I think he really is a person that can cross party lines. And that's something that we need, I mean, now more than ever um, in terms of getting things done, you know, not just talking the talk, but actually like walking the walk and, and making it happen. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So then I know that he was the mayor of, uh, of uh, New York, our largest a city in this country, and tell us some of the work that that he did there in New York that he sees that needs to be transcended across all of these United States. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I mean, you know, a lot of my role right now is really focused on women, so um, a lot of, you know, the, 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 the key things that I'm really focused on is, is you know, how Mike is, is really uh, leveraging his experience as a leader to get things done uh, for women issues and issues that matter to women the most. Um, and, and honestly, all people, not just women, you know, I think quality health care, like good jobs, equal opportunities. I think, um, you know, as mayor, he really uh, advanced women in careers. He appointed a dozen of women uh, to commissioner positions in the city, like uh, Yolanda Jimenez, who was the commissioner for uh, domestic violence in the city. Um, of course, Patty Harris, who's his, you know, right hand uh, as the deputy uh, uh, mayor. And so, you know, I think that he has really like promoted women in career levels, um, which, you know, you honestly can't beat because uh, it speaks to, you know, his, his uh, take on, it doesn't really matter who is the best person in the room, but he wants to hire the best person, whether they're male or female. Um, and I think a, a large part for me, I went to uh, Wake Forest for college, and uh, our our kind of motto was pro humanitate. And I think you know, giving back to humanity for humanity, the, his philanthropist efforts are like so huge. And and you know, Bloomberg Philanthropies has really had their hand uh, across organizations across the world. Um, you know, advancing like maternal health care in a lot of like third world countries and protecting like reproductive rights uh, with like Roe v. Wade and, you know, ensuring that paid family leave is affordable and affordable childcare. Um, and so, you know, I think those things are really so big for me in terms of just like affecting millions of women here in New York city and, and how he would, you know, go about doing that uh, uh, if he was president and if he was in the white house. Um, you know, I think, I think he really has, has uh, the organization and the ability to, to, you know, drop crime rates and, you know, uh, his company like doubled in size so quickly. And, you know, he's contributed to honestly more, more female candidates in 2018 in the midterm elections. And so I really think, you know, not only is he an advocate for gun violence prevention and climate change, which are which are like two huge, um, you know, uh, facets of, of his kind of commitment to, to making the world a better place. But I think, 
um, you know, putting his money where his mouth is, which, you know, we're not all as lucky. We're not all billionaires. But I think when you are given that opportunity to be so blessed and lucky and, you know, he worked hard um, and, and created his own company, he's now, he's now able to, like, pay it forward. Okay. Let me ask you, you, you mentioned health care. Then does, um, does the mayor feel that health care should be free or should we, uh, what, what's his stance on, on health care? I know that health care is one of the, one of the most important things that we could, we could talk about uh, because we all, in, all for, in order for us to, to be healthy, we got to, to have health care. And then, of course, I believe in preventive medicine. So I believe in taking care of things at the front end, and then we could pay a lot yep. less at the back end. So what, what are your thoughts or what, are, what is his stance on uh, health care and should it be free? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that's a, it's a great question. It's always, you know, one of the top three issues I think that Americans really are 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 caring about. Um, and and you know, Mike's plan basically is is to create kind of a Medicare-like public option. So you know, um, you know, giving people health insurance that could be administered by the the government, um, but paid for by customer premiums. Um, but also, you know, rolling out that, you know, people that are already insured and like their insurance can keep that. Um, and so I think really giving people an option um, and, and, you know, people that are, were, are uninsured currently um, and, you know, haven't been expanded under uh, for Obamacare, quote unquote, um, you know, would be able to access this public option, which I think, you know, really is something that we've been seeing a lot in other first world countries, other developed countries like Canada and Europe, you know, giving people uh, access um, who don't have access, which, you know, is honestly a fundamental right. Um, and, and we want people to, to, to be able to get the coverage and care that they need. Um, and so, you know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, making it affordable is key. Um, I think okay. Trump's administration is is sabotaging a lot of efforts, um, mm -hmm. unfortunately, after the Obama administration. And so I really think that, uh, uh, you know, Mike is really trying to get uh, expanding Medicare to include an optional policy because I think covering dental and covering vision and, right. you know, all of those things are so, so key. Okay, gotcha. Now you you mentioned the fact that, uh, and ev everyone knows this. Uh, it's not a secret that uh, Mr. Bloomberg is a billionaire. And so I'm getting lots of questions, lots of text messages, and actually I'm going to have uh, some of the persons who are asking me to ask these questions. I'm going to allow them to do that. But but you mentioned the fact that he is a billionaire. So. One of the things that people are saying is that, listen, he's a billionaire. He's made lots of money. Why would he want? Uh, why would he want to become the president of the United States, which only uh, pays about three hundred thousand dollars a year? And of course, I, I'm sure that it's not the money issue. So, so what? Why do you think that he decided uh, to run for the president of the United States after after <laughs> serving as the uh, mayor of New York City, which was a massive job? Uh, why do you think that he decided, or why did he decide that he wanted to run for president of the United States? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it really comes down to Dr. Shirley. I think that, you know, there were a lot of candidates in the race, and I think that he looked at some numbers, looked at some data, and really, you know, came to the decision that there is not a path with any of these candidates 
to beat Donald Trump. And I think he really, um, you know, thinks and knows that he can get this done. I think that he thinks that he's, you know, very qualified. I think it really comes down to um, defeating Donald Trump. And I think he wanted to put his name in the hat, um, you know, because I think he has done so much work. Um, Obviously, New York is, you know, the largest city in the, in the country, if not the largest um, behind or or right with uh, LA. And I think that New York is so uniquely situated because it has such a range of immigrants. It has such a range of, you know, racial groups and ethnicities, and it's such an urban city with transportation issues and the subway. Um, you know, it's such a cross section of, of people. And, and, and I think it really, you know, is a, a, a great, uh, uh, example of how the United States is, um, even though, you know, it's not the Midwest or it's not the South. I think that a lot of the, um, a lot of the people and the issues that New Yorkers face are issues that we face throughout the country. And so I think that his experience and his record, not, you know, as mayor one time, but three different times, Dr. Shirley, I think that, you know, yeah. it really speaks to, to, to how New Yorkers felt about him and, and the, the work that he was able to really, like, get done. Absolutely. I'm going to actually, uh, Mr. Arthur is out there, but also Dr. Dania is out there, and so she has a question or so that she'd like to ask, and then uh, maybe Dr. Uh, Nancy Nichols, uh, who is one of our team members, and then Ms. Rihanna uh, may have some uh, some questions. Like I said, there's a lot of people texting in questions, so I'm going to ask some of these. We won't just bring all of them in, but I'm going to go to Dr. Dania because she, uh, she just sent a question, and I'm going to allow her to ask that question for herself. Go ahead, Donna. Uh, Dr. Dana, uh, press one, please. There's a lot of callers on tonight, and I need to locate your phone line. Go ahead and speak up after you press press one. Are you there? Oh, here we go. Got it. Thank you, Mother, and thank you, Miss Rihanna. I certainly am enjoying listening to the presentation about uh, Mr. Bloomberg, and you raised a very important topic to me, which is maternal health. I am a medical researcher and professor of embryology and andrology, and we have an epidemic going on right now in America where 700 to 1,200 women are dying in this country. And while I do a lot of missionary work abroad, I am quite concerned about the women who are here in this country who are women who are employed, who have excellent insurance. And there's something that's happening in our healthcare system where women of color, whether it's due to unconscious bias or even conscious bias, that we're not getting the care mm-hmm. that we need. And a very dear friend of mine lost a family member just this week who gave birth to a newborn. Thank you. Absolutely. That's that's a great question. Um, I, I I think that we here at the campaign, and I think Mike is really clear on, you know, there are so many disparities in in maternal health um, throughout the country, and you know there are just disproportionately high maternal mor- mortality rates, especially among uh, women of color. Um, which, you know, I think the, the death rate for maternal rates is, is higher now than it was 20 years ago, which is wild um, and, and truly heartbreaking. And I think that 
you know, there's implicit and explicit bias in terms of, you know, doctor training. I think that there's, you know, uh, uh, Mike really wants to uh, centralize all of the data that's being collected around this with, um, with teaming up with, like, the CDC in Atlanta um, to really inform and improve the standards of healthcare. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, uh, having a, a free of charge public option insurance plan so that, you know, low-income women or young women, um, you know, if they do become pregnant, like, can get the coverage um, that they need, you know, pre, pre, uh, pre the baby being born, and then, of course, postpartum as well. Um, and so, you know, I think that a lot of these things are, are uh, in Mike's plan, and he hopes to, um, you know, really uh, change this infant mortality rate that, that it's wild that the United States is leading um, on, on this charge. Um, and, you know, I think that things that he did in New York, he, he established kind of the nurse family partnership. So nurses and families could really team up and help low income pregnant moms um, and really teach them, uh, you know, the skill sets if they weren't getting that at home or from family members. Um, and also he, he really was uh, uh, established in these uh, planting family justice centers. So they kind of have I think we're up to six now in the city of New York, but there was only, I think, um, all of those happened under his leadership model and, and started and really were allowing um, it be kind of a one-stop shop for women and families to get, you know, lawyers and sociology and, and social work and court help and all of these things um, all at one time. Um, and, and, you know, I think that Bloomberg Philanthropies uh, has really kind of impacted maternal health and Tanzania and all of these places across the world. And so I know it is a top priority of the campaign and of Mike's uh, to, to, to get this done when he, when he would be in office. Okay. And thank you for that um, response. And I would like to continue to be in touch with you because my organization is really on the front lines with this issue. And I know that you have a concern about low-income women, but I just need to reiterate that this crosses all socioeconomic groups, and it is something yeah. that we really need to Absolutely. address because these are women who are working, who have excellent insurance. Serena Williams has a ton of resources and a ton of money and support. So that one phenomenon, it really doesn't matter what your income level is if you're black in America. Yep. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Excellent. Thanks, Excellent. Thanks Dr. Dan. I'm going to bring now uh, Dr. Nancy Nichols, who actually is the – she is our president of the Smith County Democratic uh, Club. Here and uh, and she's also one of our uh, team members. So go ahead, Dr. Nichols, and and speak to um, to Miss Amanda. Good evening, and thank you so much. Can you please address our concerns for our rural areas, and how is Mike Bloomberg going to help us in well, quite frankly, in rural East Texas? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a great uh, a great question, and thank you for bringing light to it. Um, you know, I think uh, rural rural areas obviously get you know a lot of uh, often left forgotten about, if you will. Um, you know, people are so worried about cities, and tech companies have really you know changed the dynamic in in a lot of uh, big cities like Denver and Seattle, and really changed the landscape. 
Um, and, you know, I know infrastructure is, is really big and really something that Mike plans on doing, bringing a lot of these cities into the 21st century, uh, but making it smarter and faster and safer and greener. Those are our kind of like buzzwords that we love to use around here. Um, and, and he really wants to equip. I think, you know, a lot of you, if you've been keeping up, but we have really been uh, 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 receiving so much uh, warm welcome and endorsements from mayors across the country. Um, and, and Mike was really um, involved heavily um, in kind of like the mayor's initiative and mayor's group. Um, and so I think that he is really tapping into these local communities and addressing uh, what your needs are, and he's really going around the country listening to what those needs are um, and listening to what mayors in, you know, Columbia, South Carolina, where I'm from, uh, our mayor, Steve Benjamin, um, uh, just, you know, is a co-chair of the campaign um, and, and really trying to, like, address what, what do we need, like better roads, safer bridges, like clean air and water, like reliable power and broadband for everyone. Um, so everyone has, like, the same access to education and all of these things. Um, and so I think that he's really trying to lead us into the 21st century um, and, and really have a comprehensive plan. And he really did that with Plan NYC, um, which really helped set goals and growth for New York's infrastructure because it was, you know, the road and the transit and air and freight routes and all of these things that it's so many people moving at a million miles an hour. And so I think that really tapping into what these local on the ground communities need and what their mayors need, uh, you know, Mike's going to work to get it done. Have you been talking about rural hospitals? Our rural hospitals are closing here. Yeah, no, I think, I think that um, he's been meeting, he's been going around, he was in Vermont today. Um, he's been trying to, to, to really go around and do kind of like a listening tour and, and lots of us from the campaign are, are as well. Um, that's why I was in Texas with Dr. Shirley at, at the AKA Founders event. I think, you know, every community is so different. Um, and so we really wanna, wanna take that into account and specifically talking to like local elected officials and, and local community organizations. Um, you know, I was in Dallas meeting with like a women's group there that, you know, was very instrumental in, in Beto's campaign and, you know, things like that. People that are already on the ground, really, really experts in that, in that neck of the woods. And how, how can we kind of learn from what's working and what's not working? Okay, excellent. I want to mention also while, while we're talking, we, we have a lot of people online, so I'm going to ask that would you please just mute your lines if you're not uh, speaking. And so, and we really appreciate all the great information that Miss Amanda is giving to us uh, tonight. What, what I, I really talked to Miss Amanda about when we first met is the importance of reaching out to the African-American community as far as radio is concerned, as far as newspaper is concerned, because I always noticed during campaigns that people would put their resources into the larger newspapers, uh, into the NBC, ABC, all of those other areas, but they would overlook uh, the uh, advertisement that we have in the African-American community. I'm on three shows per week uh, owned by African-Americans. And so that was important uh, to me. And then economic development is very important uh, for me because I serve in the Northwest 
district of Tyler, Texas, and, and I see funding and resources and growth in other parts, uh, Miss Amanda, but not as much uh, in the area where I live and that I'd like to see uh, grow. Because I say this all the time, that when people come into our cities, it is a reflection on the city fathers and mothers if one part of our community is growing and the other part uh, is not growing. Uh, the economic growth is not seen in certain uh, communities. Now, let me let me go ahead and bring in Mr. Arthur Fleming, who is who is a member of the NAACP chapter there in Dallas, Texas, and we're going to ask him to unmute his line and come on in and ask questions because I think that he has some very powerful questions about uh, economic growth and resources and money, and it's always about uh, about the money, right? So go ahead, Mr. Arthur, come on in and ask your questions with Ms. Amanda. Well, uh, hello, Ms. Amanda. How y'all doing? How's everybody this evening? Uh, uh, first, I want to say that my cousin, my cousin works for Amazon, has a Mike Bloomberg T-shirt. She she she's telling us about it yesterday at the at our family reunion meeting. So so he has an effective uh, uh, campaign as far as reaching folks. Uh, now, now, now there's an article that's uh, uh, online from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Says uh, former former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg will announce on Sunday his president's campaign plan aimed at bolstering economic opportunity for Black Americans, promising to triple their income over the next decade. But stopping short of promising reparations. <clears throat> okay, first of all, I would say it's a it, it's a seventy billion dollar program. There's nowhere near reparations. So you know, so if people, you know, so I want folks to be dissuaded of that fact. Uh, but what I want to know is, uh, uh, what would he do if he don't win? Because he has, cause he still has a lot of money, he still has a lot of influence. What would he do if he don't win, or this just a promise to get our vote uh, to make up for stopping frisk? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great question, sir. I appreciate you hopping on the phone. Um, I'm glad that you were able to tune in. We uh, we, we did uh, release the Greenwood Initiative. Uh, for some of you, maybe has missed it, um, but it, it, it's very much an economic justice plan for Black America. Um, and, you know, I think, Mike, I really urge all of you to go look at the YouTube video of him speaking, and I think uh, a lot of that had not been said by you know, uh, uh, a candidate before, honestly. Um, and I think, you know, Mike's speech really reflected, uh, you know, the legacy of discrimination and, and, you know, his plans really are hoping to create generation, generational wealth for the next generation and drive economic empowerment and really close this gap, um, close this economic gap between black and white Americans. Um, and so, you know, as most of you guys probably know, Tulsa, you know, Oklahoma was where Black Wall Street was, and there were many, many prominent uh, Black-owned businesses, um, and, you know, it was decimated by racists and destroyed, and, you know, I think it speaks to the long history of violence and discrimination that we're still, you know, working towards to get through. Um, and so, you know, I think that uh, I, I think that he has pledged to support uh, the candidate. Whoever the nominee is, sir, um, you know whether that is any of the any of the other uh, few running. There's quite a few still left in the race, um, and and I think that he is really going to support them and and put his money where his mouth is. And and I think his number one priority is getting Trump out um, at whatever means necessary and whatever cost necessary. And so um, you know I think he. He really uh, is hoping to, to 
to keep the ground game going in many states um, and, and really help other Democratic tickets um, well, I, by well, chance. Well, well, look at what, I want, what I want to know is, though, if he, if he lose, what kind of program do we have for our community if he lose? Well, I, I think that that's a great question. Um, I think that he has been doing so much work um, within all, uh, uh, many of these uh, communities. And, I mean, honestly, right now we are working night and day. I'm still at the office, and it's almost 10 o'clock East Coast time, and we, we're just, like, not considering that an option yet of, like, if we lose. Um, and and I think that, you know, we are really committed to um, to the black community and really committed to African Americans. And I think like, you know, regardless of if he wins or, or not, we're committed to, to making a difference, um, you know, if he's the nominee or not. Thank you. Okay, great. Let me just tell you, uh, Miss Amanda, that I'm getting messages and text messages how uh, the fact that you're up to up to snuff on your history. But what what I wanted to mention about Black Wall Street, and we always talk about uh, the the black the, the one and only as as we are told, uh, Black Wall Street that you mm-hmm. mentioned. But I want to bring you to to East Texas. I want to bring you to Palace mm-hmm. Street, uh, what's called the Cut. Uh, that all the blacks, we used to never go past Front Street in Tyler, Texas, because all the blacks owned various and sundry businesses. We had our pharmacists, we had our physicians, uh, we had our nurses, we had our drug stores, we had our supermarkets, we had, we had our clothing stores, we had our hair salons, our cleaners, we had every single thing that you had because everywhere across this nation uh, during the times that we're quite familiar with, that there was a black Wall Street, that black people functioned and they functioned well because they owned their own. So I just wanted to to throw that out there and and throw it in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me also just, yes, right, I'm sure that you would agree. I'm sure Mr. Arthur uh, would agree as well. And and anybody that lives, has lived in America uh, during the time of uh, slavery and and segregation that black people have owned their own. So let, let me also go and bring in, we have a special guest, a very dear friend of mine that's on with us tonight. That's Ms. Shirley Layton, uh, who ran for a public state office here in uh, Texas. Uh, she lives over in the, and in, in, in this is still East Texas, but she lives in Lufkin, Texas. And so she's working with the urban and rural America, rural Texas, uh, East Texas in particular. So uh, we want to bring her in. I'm sure that she has a couple of questions that she would like to ask. Ms. Shirley, uh, press your line, press one, and then come on in, and then I'm going to mute out, and feel free to ask Ms. Amanda uh, some questions. Thank you. Hi. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Good evening. How are you? Great. How I'm fine. You? Thank you. Thanks for, for allowing me to get on the air uh, with you all. This is such a great opportunity. Um, I saw what I saw Bloom, um, Mayor Bloomberg but up in North uh, Dallas area just a couple of months ago and uh, at the SDC meeting and was very interested in what he had to say. I, I'm also um, very interested in the uh, rural background. One of the things that 
hit home the most as I went from door to door across the 19 counties of Senate District 3 was how much opportunity there was, meaning problems but that could be solved. And some of them with the health care, a lot of that, though, is with them. Uh, we need our we need our broadband internet brought to all areas of Senate District Three, even down in Orange, Texas, where they've been hit with flooding, and and for so many of those areas, it hasn't been brought back up. They have you know satellite internet, which is just not um, it's not good enough for, for what we want to do. It's good enough in an emergency, but not what you want to do day to day with your education. Uh, things like telemedicine, there's no reason why Lufkin, um, sitting here, especially with the, the coastal areas getting flooded all the time, that that some of the other cities up here that do have a, a broadband Internet couldn't be a hub for high-tech um, businesses that, that – that, you would think that people from California or even Dallas with the and Houston with the um, the cost of housing that's just went up so much there that you would think that they would think this would be an op, uh, a perfect opportunity to come out to the countryside where their housing dollars go so much further and there we have you know good education um, not there's not so much crowding. So I would like to see um, Mayor Bloomberg or whoever gets to be president focus on assistance and getting um, the high-speed Internet that so that in the surrounding areas between Lufkin and Nacogdoches and Tyler so that we could um, bring high-tech workers out here. There's no reason why that couldn't happen uh, just because the lumber mill or your paper mill or your uh, oil uh, industry the prices go up and down. There's no reason why our economy should be based on paper and oil. Anyway, um, I don't know if that's a question, yes. but so much no, a commitment. I need a excellent to, question. Absolutely, no. That's. I think it's super, super important, and I think you know, yeah. it's it's good to hear from communities like yourself. You know, because I, you know, Mike is committed to to expand broadband and access to 10 million more Americans by 2025 and, you know, by to everyone by 2030. And so I think that, you know, if you go to MikeBloomberg.com, we, we just actually launched an infrastructure policy this week, um, I think like two or three days ago. And so you can definitely read up on, you know, what he's committing to do with roads and bridges and airports and transit and, you know, broadband and water. And in addition to like, incentives to to doctors to you know getting them to come back to hospitals in these areas so i you know i think it's super super important and and you know it's good to hear from from you uh you know what are what are the issues that are affecting you the most and and that you care about this election the most um and and dr shirley i i have a i have a meeting at at 10 so i'm gonna have to this might be my last question 
Right. Okay. Very good. Yes, because it's it's almost ten there for you. Let, let me let me just finalize by asking because we we have others that uh, that we're going to be interviewing later. But looking at the question that that Miss uh, Miss Shirley just asked, so quickly if you can tell us how uh, that you feel that Mr. Bloomberg is going to be able to appeal to a diverse set of constituents uh, across. And, and we're very concerned about East Texas, so you're going to always hear mm-hmm. us talk about East Texas, but Texas <laughs> in general, but but the nation in general. Uh, how is he going to be able to appeal to the diversity, a diverse set of constituents in an honest, respectful, and inclusive uh, manner? How in the world is he going to be able to include all of these various things that we're interested in making sure that it happens in our own community? And that will be our final Absolutely. question. We, we thank you so much, and we're going to look forward to you uh, coming on our Thursday show. And so that we can speak directly. Yes. Well, I, I think I think you guys all make a great point, and obviously you guys know Texas better than I, I do. But I think that, you know, you really have to look at, you know, the Bloomberg campaign has the mo- most robust field operation than any other 2020 candidate right now. And we are, you know, a year away. Uh, almost, give or take, I guess, you know, 11 months away. Um, and, okay. and a lot of other candidates right now are putting their money and time and energy into places like Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, um, Nevada. And not that we don't care about those states as well, but I think, you know, we, we put so much time and energy as, as, as Democrats into the big four and oftentimes forget the rest of the country until it's too late. And so, That's you know, right. uh, Right now, we plan on opening 19 field offices with over 150 organizers just in Texas, um, yeah. and we have the resources to do that. And so, you know, we're not only focused on Austin and Dallas and Houston, but, you know, from South Texas to East Texas to West Texas, you know, we yeah. want to include most Texans that are normally left out of this con- uh, conversation, especially this early on. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we don't see Texas as a cash cow. You know, uh, uh, Mayor Bloomberg is funded himself, as you know, and can really address these issues. Um, this is not just a donor, you know, fundraising conversation. Um, and, you know, he's going to make his fourth visit to the state in El Paso um, soon. And, you know, he's Plano's coming up. Houston's coming up. Um, we're going to we're going to announce a, a, a Uh, We did the bus tour, um, you know, in San Antonio and Austin and Waco and Dallas uh, a few weeks ago. And so, um, you know, I think that we, people are hungry for Mike and I think people are hungry for another option. And and I think getting these conversations out early, um, you know, this early on in advance is so key. Um, Right. And I, I, I think he just, you know, I'm just going to go back to it before Dr. Shirley, but I think that he's yeah. really done this before. You know, he's taken on, you know, our, our country's toughest fights from, like, guns to climate to health, um, taking on big tobacco, you know, and cutting teen smoking by 50%. Um, and he's truly a leader, you know, not only in the business sector, but government sector and also philanthropy and has really, you know, made his own way. Um, to just, you know, a one-room office to, like, now a company that has over 20,000 people. And so, you know, I think that he is really someone that can get things done with Republicans, with Democrats, and, and yeah. unite people rather than being a divider. And, and our country really needs 
uh, someone that can unite us and bring us all together because Trump is not that person. <laughs> Excellent. And let me tell you, I'm going to thank you because I know you got to run. You got 10 minutes before your meeting. But but let me just say this. This is my final term uh, words to you for tonight only. We're going to look forward to talking with you again. But but every single time that I hear people talk about their bus tours, they always name those large cities, and they never come to East Texas. And I fight and push and ask continuously to bring those bus tours. So you tell Mike Bloomberg, Shirley McKellar says, I want to see that bus tour in East Texas because there's no way you can win Texas unless you come to East Texas. We have over a million registered voters in the first district, the district that I ran in for United States Congress. Trust me. He needs to come to East Texas. Thank you so much, Miss Amanda. It was amazing thank having you, Dr. you on. Shirley. I, yes, thank Ms. you so much. And I really look- appreciate you having me on, and and I hope that someone else from the campaign stops by on Thursday, and um, yes. I hope to see you in Texas soon. Thank you, ma'am. I look forward to that. God bless and be thank safe. Thank you. Y'all have okay. a great one. Take care. Thank you as well. So we thank Miss Amanda Finney for coming on to be with us on Marvelous Monday. It's just been marvelous to have her on with us. Ms. Shirley, I'm going to go back to you for a few minutes, and then I believe um, we're going to have uh, Mr. Michael uh, Talbert uh, to come on and be with us, but also want to find out if Ms. Sharon Berry is on. If she is on, she can uh, press one or text me and let me know that she's on, and we're going to bring her on and let her have a few words to say. She's actually the new elected vice chair of the Texas Coalition of Black Democrats, as well as the county chair of uh, of Houston County, which is out there in Crockett, Texas, which is also another part of East Texas. Ms. Shirley, thank you for being on with us tonight. And Ms. Sharon just texted me and said she is on. So any other uh, comments or anything else? That was a great uh, question, a uh, dialogue that you gave to her uh, on uh, urban uh, urban Texas. And so we just have to keep fighting. Uh, for for East Texas because we're we're tired of being ignored and we've been ignored long enough. So if enough of us are talking about it, uh, then we can see some changes and some differences. Go ahead, uh, Miss Shirley, if you have any other comments. Okay. Uh, we move over into the next section of our show. Yes. Uh, can you hear me? And yes, ma'am. Uh, great. Last January, so we've been out of a year now. Um, I became the digital director for the non-urban, the rural, what everybody calls the rural caucus. And with that, I looked to see what they had. If I'm the digital director, what does that exactly mean? We created a, uh, a Facebook page, a website, a Twitter account, and we didn't want to call it, uh, we wanted to call it something that would mean something to, to everybody in the state. But, so we called it Turn Rural Texas Blue. And you can find us on Facebook at Turn Rural Texas Blue. And um, website, TurnRealTexasBlue.org uh, or .com, either one. And uh, the tri- Twitter account, TurnRealTXBlue. What we're trying to do, though, is we've been going around to every every rural county that we could. There's just a small number of us um, to talk about our ideas for helping the county parties in rural areas because the money just never seems to go from TDP uh, out to the rural area. So we wanted to do something. We've been raising money. We've raised maybe $15,000 and counting to help the rural counties. 
And we say, okay, well, what can we do with that money? One of the things we've initiated is a texting project where we would actually fund rural counties texting programs and come out and teach them how to how to use the texting tool like either hustle or shadow uh, to reach out and send out mass texts um, to try and identify because the parties can send, spend way too much time and they don't have that much money so they spend too much time knocking on doors of people that really aren't interested in our message that we can talk to them all day so and then we miss others that may be Democrats. So we're we're doing a texting project. We've done about ten counties. We're about to do about eighteen more counties where we text uh, everybody that we don't know whether they're a Democrat or Republican and asking them to respond. And um, we're trying to fund that effort so that that information will all go back into our our van our. A database that everybody has access to so that when a county party starts to do their work it's that much less work that they have to do because they'll have newly identified Democrats and they'll have people marked as hardcore Republicans so they don't have to bother calling them and if they say that they're a Democrat then we text them the information to contact their local county um, to volunteer. We ask them if they'd like to volunteer and try and collect their email and also give them information on the local county. So that's what we're doing. Very good, Ms. Shirley. And I'm sorry that I haven't had the opportunity to come to any of the meetings uh, for uh, rural Texas, but I'm going to do better. I always seem to have something going on at the time that you have the, have the meetings. But thank you for that work. Uh, that you're doing. I, I, I think we have, I, I'm going to bring Ms. Uh, Sharon Berry in, uh, as I, I've already introduced who she is, and we're going to bring her in and let her uh, talk to us. Uh, Ms. Sharon Berry, if you press one, go ahead and come on in and uh, greet us and let us know who you are and what you want us to know uh, this evening. Thank you for being on the show, Marvelous Monday. Go ahead and press one, Ms. Berry, and start talking. Nine three six area code is what I thought. Yes, yes, we can. That's right. Good evening. Can we hear me? We can hear you. Mm -hmm. And kudos to um, to to Shirley because the program she's speaking about, I have been at the um, meetings where she's trying to push this program, and it's absolutely wonderful. And it was so funny because I was thinking about you today. We're about to officially launch our We Deliver campaign. And um, I was definitely thinking about seeking your services because uh, uh, quite as kept, we're really after the same thing. We have different audiences, but at the end of the day, our goal is the same. And so uh, we're going to get together with you, myself, or either um, Sierra Evans or Dr. McKellar, and we're going to get together and, uh, and push your program right along with ours. I was listening early to the calls, and they, you know, my concerns about the hospital, rural America, uh, they, um, the broadband, was all of that. And so I'm hoping to expound a little bit more next Thursday because I want to hear uh, the plans about, um, when you say East Texas, for me, um, being totally different from Tyler and Lufkin, um, you all have a movie theater, you all have a park. Well, we don't. And so I'm really interested in how... Um, 
Mayor Bloomberg plans to bring some of that infrastructure and um, industry into deep East Texas, where you know um, uh, dirt roads are the are, are our everyday norm. You know, when you talk about Lufkin and Tyler, that's you may run up on a, a dirt road every now and again. For us in East Texas, that's everyday. So um, that was interesting. And uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, when we were, the last time we were with Senate District 3, and as I stress, and I don't want to beat people down, but um, not only are we missing East Texas, I can't stress to you enough, county chairs, you've got to get out and speak to African Americans, um, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans. You've got to get out there because the majority of my county, of our county chairs, are Caucasian. And so we're missing, we're just missing a big piece of the pie. And so as vice chair of the Coalition of Black Democrats, I tell you all the time, please reach out to me if I can help you, if I can come and assist, or if anybody in the coalition can, we absolutely will. Great. Thank you so much for that. And I'm glad you gave us a little plug on uh, the Texas Coalition of Black Democrats. I actually uh, proudly serve as the president of the East Texas Coalition of Black Democrats here in East Texas, this side of East Texas, because as I said, East Texas is very large and there's various parts of East Texas. But we thank uh, Ms. Sharon Berry for traveling throughout East Texas over on our side even to help to set up uh, more chapters of the coalition uh, of black Democrats, because we're working really hard to make sure that African-Americans get to the polls to vote. Everybody, we want everybody to get to the polls, but charity starts at home. We start working in our own community and then we spread out and spread everywhere. So we have great people like Miss Nancy, uh, Dr. Nancy Nichols, who was out here in my community on Saturday, knocking on doors and registering people to vote right here in the third district. And we appreciate everybody working together as a team because that's how we get good people in office. Uh, good people don't run because we don't get out there and support them. And, and everybody doesn't have that, uh, that capital like Mayor Bloomberg. Uh, I, I mean, he can just put money wherever because everybody knows he's a billionaire. But there are other candidates that need our support, need our help, and we have to recognize and realize how the, the importance of making a little small donation to help a, a candidate. You'd be surprised uh, how important uh, $25 is that you can put in the gas tank because, as mentioned, rural America, you may, you may travel several miles before you run into uh, a place where you can knock on someone's door in deep East Texas and rural uh, East Texas. I want to find out if Mr. Michael Talbert is on. I'm going to send him a text message uh, shortly. Uh, Ms. Rihanna, I'm going to turn it over to you and, and, and let you continue uh, the conversation and the dialogue on what we expect, what we want to see happen uh, in our communities across the nation. There's been some amazing questions that have been asked, uh, and I, I really like the health care question because I'm, I'm a health care provider. I was uh, in health care uh, for a long mm -hmm. time, and so it's really important to me to make sure uh, that, that we have great health care uh, in our communities. And Ms. Shirley mentioned the fact that we have rural hospitals that are closing uh, because they're not All over. 
open because, yes, because of money. So go ahead. You can dialogue on that, and I'm going to try to reach out to Mr. Michael Talbert. Go ahead. May I, may I, may I Hello? Please, please. Oh, yes. I was going to say, um, when I was thinking about in the places where we don't have county chairs or whatever, I'm encouraging people to please support your Democratic clubs or your Texas Democratic Women Club or plug into mm-hmm. some aspect where, you know, you can take part of um, this journey, you know, this successful journey that we're on. Um, I know sometimes people look for the chairs, but, you know, reach out to your precinct chairs. There are all kinds of people uh, in place that's willing to help. So don't hesitate for a moment to call any of us, and we can plug you into the right person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, what Dr. McKellar was saying just before she um, stepped away um, sort of goes to that. I keep thinking of there's a lot of intersectionality um, that we're talking about that needs to be addressed in uh, whatever campaign is out there that is going against um, this current um I don't know a nice way to say it. Whatever this is that's going on, <laughs> it disguises it as an administration. Um, these important issues, and one way to address that is to get involved in the way that Ms. Barry is talking about on a really uh, personal level. If you don't know how you can contribute, um, this is important. Um, so reach out to you know find out um, about who the campaign chairs are. I know in Texas, especially. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but there are a lot of open seats for for those kinds of for county chairs and things like that. Is that right? Um, You're absolutely so right. And 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 understand the role of the county chair is to get all the information that the precinct chairs need in order to get the information down to the voter. And so right. when we don't have that uh, uh, chairs in place we sometimes don't get the information down um, to where it's actually needed. But more importantly, we definitely need precinct chairs. Right. Okay. And Ms. Shirley, was that you that wanted to say something as well? Uh, Yeah. um, Also, a lot of times people want to do something. (laughs) I'm just putting a plug for my own need of assistance. Sometimes there are people out there that – can't leave, you know, that they're in a situation, which I'm in some of the time, where you can't leave because you have an elderly parent that you're taking care of or a child that you're taking care of. Well, there are things, lots of things that you can do and and are very vital that you can contribute from home in between uh, doing errands um, that you can, there's texting you can do from home. You can go online. I, my Facebook uh, management of my Facebook and my Twitter account. I always need assistance there to help to keep it fresh, to to look for new articles that appeal to rural Texans and have a democratic yeah. bent. I'm always looking for new uh, information. So there are a lot of ways Absolutely. to contribute. Excellent. And this is, I mean, it's just vital. This is how we sort of a back and forth, how we keep voters educated and informed as far as 
why and how it is that your voice and your vote and your support and your um, presence actually does matter and it does affect change and it does affect public policy and keeps, you know, uh, those precinct chairs and and, um, county chairs and um, people in those positions understanding what those specific needs are. There's a lot of specific needs. And, I mean, our party (laughs) happens to be made up of the most diverse, you know, population among us. Um, We have, you know, there are specific needs that are specific to communities, and there has to be that, you know, information flow back and forth. So it's just really important. It's not a, a small thing. Um, anybody out there who's looking for ways to make a change, um, this is a great, these are great ways, really great ways. Absolutely. And then in addition to that, you know, um, we're trying uh, very hardest to bring the youth back into politics um, in general. So when you see the youth out there, especially our young Democratic clubs and everything, please support them financially because you know, they have the energy um, and they, they're they connected with social media, but they do not have the financial means. So I employ right. everyone to reach out and help. Yes, that's I'm a so great glad, point. I'm, yes, it is. That's just what I was about. I'm back, Ms. Rihanna, and that's just exactly what I was about to say. And that's, that's the one thing I have to give kudos to Ms. Sharon Berry. She is always reaching out to those youth, and when they want to attend various functions and they cannot attend, she goes into her pocket and helps to make sure that our young millennials are able to attend the events. Uh, she even will sponsor rooms. Uh, for we traveled out to uh, where did we go? El- Odessa, Texas. Yes, we've traveled out to Odessa, Texas, and she made way sure that those young, way out there in Odessa, <laughs> Texas, eight, eight hours away uh, from where we live here in East Texas, and uh, and she made sure that those young folks were taken care of. So so I want to uh, right. I want to give her kudos and accolades for that. We also have Central Texas on the line, uh, Miss Rihanna, and I've asked her to press one, and we're going to yes, bring her I'll in. And then Mr. Michael Talbert is going to be ca- coming in shortly. Uh, he is the, it, he's the existing uh, chair, Smith County Democratic chair, and he's running for re-election. So we're going to bring him in and talk to him a little bit. But let's bring uh, Central Texas in and so that she can say hello to us. Go ahead, press one, Central Texas, and tell us who you are. I've got that line open. Okay, go ahead, Ms. Johnson. I don't know if she's trying to dial my number or if she remembered to dial. Could she just, I oh. just got a text message. Well, I just opened a line. <laughs> okay. All right. 903 area code? No, it's not 903 area code. Let's see. I, I'm going to oh. look and see uh, what area code it is. Oh, that Mr. Michael Top. That's Mr. Michael Top. Oh, okay. Oh, and I've got the other number too. Yes, we're going to bring him in shortly. But before we bring Mr. Talbert in, uh, Central Texas, I want you to come in and and have a few words, a couple words to say to us before we go over to Mr. Michael Talbert. Central Texas, come on in. And I know she's not back. Let's see. Let me. Oh, I'm in. 
decided that she was going to relocate to the Dallas area to be closer to family. And I moved up to county chair, so I've been in this position position since right after, I'm sorry, the 2016 general election. Very good. Okay. And how we, we, we heard you say how many people and how many registered people that we have gotten. How many precincts do we have in in uh, Smith County, and how many voting polling booths do you see that we're going to have, uh, let's see, in the general election? I know exactly right now, but I also want you to address uh, the fact that we have a new existing uh, polling booth that I'm getting text, text messages about right now uh, concerning the polling booth that's going to be placed in the juvenile jail and why you think that our, our county commissioners decided to place that uh, particular uh, location when we've been working really hard to try to get a polling booth on college campuses uh, here in, in Tyler, Texas. And particularly, uh, we have an HBCU right here locally, uh, Texas College, that we also wanted to see about getting a polling booth there. And not only just our HBCUs, but as well as our other colleges here in Tyler, Texas. Go ahead. Okay. So as far as the 35th polling location, um, you know, there, there are, uh, you know, people that were involved in that process that I don't think they've been completely forthright in their uh, information about that. There is a group called the Texas Civil Rights Project. Uh, they were invited to um, – get involved in Smith County, and they sent a letter to our commissioner's court, specifically to the judge and the county attorney. They asked that there be a new polling place added in Northeast Tyler, which is a highly Hispanic area, and they were specifically advocating for Hispanics and other minorities. Uh, they sent the first letter and didn't get a response from the county, so they sent a second letter um, demanding a response. At that point, the county attorney emailed them back and suggested that location because it was within the specific boundaries of the area that they identified, and it was a county-owned building. We had – I should say, the you know, Smith County had – a polling place out there back before we had the vote centers. Uh, and, and here's the thing. We've got 73 precincts. So in the past, we had a whole lot more uh, voting locations because they were in the precinct. So when we went to the vote centers, meaning that anybody could vote anywhere in the county at a vote center, they reduced yeah. the number you know, by consolidating. So mm -hmm. uh, the county – attorney agreed that uh, and the, uh, the judge agreed that we needed an additional location out there and the problem is that they did this without involving any of the community okay now did they do it maliciously with with uh, with the intent to disenfranchise voters I, I don't see any evidence to suggest that I think that it may have been negligent on their part, and, you know, that has been well documented. I know that uh, at least one commissioner has communicated that point quite clearly. So 
You know, it's interesting that right now the president of the United States is being impeached for his dishonesty, you know, his corruption. Um, And we're all pretty much disgusted by that type of behavior. So I think we have a real opportunity to be intellectually honest ourselves and not fall into that trap. So this is a... You know, because of the timing and there being no other options submitted that are better, because of the timing, you know, it appears that that is going to be the location that's used for the primary, and that doesn't lock us into that location for the future. And the the judge has already said that he's open to other polling places. So I, I would think that if we could get a group of intelligent rational, uh, fair-minded individuals to sit down at a table and have an honest discussion, that we could probably make some progress. So that, that's my suggestion. Yeah, let me ask a question. Okay. Hello? Yeah. 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 This is Tulpa. This is Sharon Berry. Um, and, and I'm speaking to you, one, um, as the chair of Houston County, um, I represent everybody. And I don't know, and, I, and I'm really researching this, pro- this, this process that's happening in Smith County, because I represent everyone. And so I can't imagine them putting in a polling place, a, lo- a location, anywhere without consulting the chair. That's one. Okay. And... And and then you just said something about, um, you know, we know the uh, president is being impeached and everything, but you didn't object to this, or did you, or, or did I miss Actually, that? I did. Yes, I did. Okay. And, and we had an election commission's meeting, and in that meeting, which is public record on our county website, uh, you, you'll see the video of that testimony there. And, yes, I did object to that. Very good. Okay, my second part of the question is, now this is as the vice chair for the Coalition of Black Women. What is your population for African Americans in Smith County? We're approximately 20% African American in Smith County. And how many many vote? You know, I'd say that our voter turnout is consistent with our population. We're about... 20% 20% of the registered voters, and we're about 20% of the vote. So we're consistent with our population. You're consistent. I, I don't. I don't get. I don't understand. I don't understand that answer. Um, I'm gonna do like Denzel Washington and say, "Talk to me like I'm a sixth grader," because I don't get. I don't get what you said. Okay. And I'm, I'm the we're, Coalition of Black Democrats, and when I looked at the numbers, it was a, a really big disconnect. And so I'm here. If I need through and help you or or if we need to, you know, make that connection, I'm offering my services because um, I'm, you know, I've just been really aware of Tyler, I'll say the last two or three years, you know, I've been in East Texas now going on seven, but um, that's a, you know, you have a wealth of everything down there and I think we're missing the boat. Um, We're getting a lot of um, heat and, and, um, volume for other things that's going on down there that we may or may not want to talk about. 
But right now, I want to get us connected to getting out the African-American vote and then the vote in general. And, you know, that falls squarely on your plate. Okay, so to your question about how did they pick a location without informing the community, I have right. I, re- I requested the documents from our county judge. He sent me two letters and an email exchange, and I've shared those with our primary uh, committee. And they're, they're available on our website if anybody has any questions about those. The first letter is the letter from the Texas Civil Rights Project. That is the first communication about this. The second letter is a letter from the Texas Civil Rights Project. The third one is an email exchange where the county attorney emails the attorneys for Texas Civil Rights Project suggesting that location that at no point did they notify any of the commissioners on the commissioner's court. We have four commissioners. One is a Democrat. The other three uh, commissioners or Republicans, the judges are Republicans. At no point did they get them involved in that process. It wasn't until me and our uh, primary administrator were having a just general conversation about the primary that this even came up. You know, she just, oh, by the way, mentioned we're adding a new voting center. And my first question to her was, okay, who picked that location? And are they okay with that location? And she said yes. And in the email exchange, in in the email exchange, you will see, okay, in the email exchange, you will see that the Texas Civil Rights Project says that that location is completely satisfactory. And this was all done before any of the, the, the party, the community was ever involved in that process. So those are the facts. Uh, Arthur mm-hmm. Mendo with ACP, can I ask a question? Please, yeah. go right ahead. Yeah, uh, 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 you, know, you know, these types of scenarios, uh, we, we see in our communities all the time. We, we call it voter suppression, systematic voter suppression. Now, 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 that may not have been intentional as far as you can see and all like that, but the effect is voter suppression. And, and then what we hear is the excuse as to what happened. Well, we forgot to talk to y'all. Yeah, well, that's the way it always is. And until we change that dynamic, and especially in East Texas, I mean, I'm, I'm very familiar with East Texas. I got, I got some roads down there, uh, and uh, East Texas got a long way to go. And and, and and I would appreciate it if folks like yourself, if y'all would acknowledge that, and then let's move forward. And as long as you're making excuses for stuff like that, then that means you're not dealing with the reality. And so you need to show some leadership and call it what it is, and then see, and then start about fixing it. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. Prophet Fleming, NAACP Dallas. Thank you. I'm just saying that, and I'm saying that it looks like voter suppression. That's what we call it. You know, you call it an accident. We call it voter suppression. That's I didn't exactly. say it was an accident. I said it was negligence. Well, okay, negligent. Well, we call it voter suppression negligent. But it's negligent on a whole, on several levels. One, as the chair, Mr. Talbot, you could have stopped that. You could have objected to that, and you could have submitted other locations. And I did, and we, actually. Okay, the facts of the matter are that I did. 
I'm the only person that went out and, uh, number one, has nobody that's complaining about this location has ever been out there to actually look at it. And number two, nobody knows the facts. The fact of the matter is, yes, I did go out to that area, drive around looking for better locations. Okay. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And so now, can you give us the, the website one I'm more time where, where we can get the, um, uh, the notes on this that you were referring to? Okay. Yeah, that's going to be my you, question. You mentioned about the primary committee. Okay, let, let me jump in for a second. I think Ms. Rihanna, uh, Mr. Talbot is asking about the Smith County Democratic website that you mentioned. If you could give her that website so that she could go and and open it up and put it on our uh, put it on our. I want to put on on the show information for people to click on. Exactly. I'm sorry, um, say again, you, your answer You were speaking about the Smith County Democratic website, is that correct? Yes. Okay, okay. can you give I'm that gonna, to I'm going to put that on our show notes. Yeah. I'll find it. Oh, yes, ma'am, I'll find okay. it. I just wanted to make sure it was on the show notes so that people could refer to um, the what you're th- talking about, the documentation of the process. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to bring uh, Dr. Nancy Nichols wants to come in and have some comments. But Mr. Michael, before we before we move over to that, uh, I want I want you to know this, and I'm going to I'm going to put it out there on on the air is that uh, that someone somewhere uh, filed a complaint uh, with the, uh, the Department of Justice in regards to this, uh, and they actually don't even live in East Texas, but they heard about it, and so. Uh, so the Department of Justice has reached out to me, and I referred them over to uh, uh, Commissioner Joanne Hampton uh, since she was on that. She is on, as you said, uh, she's on the commissioner. She is a Democrat, and I believe that every single commissioner voted for that location, right, uh, Mr. Michael? Yes or no? Every every, and I already know the answer to that. All the commissioners voted that that uh, that we have that. And then, of course, we all have been out there to uh, the juvenile justice center. I, as a matter of fact, I was tr- trying to figure out where they're going to put uh, put the voting booth. Uh, if it's going to be uh, in the front part of the lobby area. Yeah, it'll uh, be in the lobby. Right. Okay. Okay. So, cause, because people were saying, I don't want to go to jail to vote, and I don't want to go through any uh, detectors There's to be no, able to no, vote. Nope. And nope. I, you just I walk in like the front. Would, yes, I, I just, felt that it was going to be in the front lobby of that because we've been there for the juvenile uh, court system for for juveniles for quite some quite some many times. As a matter of fact, uh, Dr. Nancy Nichols, you can come in. I, I know you had a question that you wanted to, to ask Mr. Michael, and then I'm going to go back and ask him a few more questions. Go ahead. I really just had a comment. Um, I have been um, addressing the commissioner's court regarding this issue on several occasions. Um, I am so happy to hear that there are other people who are thinking that this is voter suppression because that that was my immediate concern. I'm also concerned because really and truly, real people, when you say a juvenile facility, whether you call it a, quote, juvenile attention center, 
we all know what that means, that it's a juvenile facility. And real people feel anxious about that. It's, a, it's going to a jail. There's security in there. People don't know what to expect. And those who do know what to expect have been there. So this is not a place to encourage voters. I, I want to express my gratitude to those of you who are online who are much more familiar probably with voter suppression than I ever could possibly be, although I'm very familiar with juvenile facilities from my professional background. I appreciate you bringing up that this is voter suppression pure and simple, and thank you for letting me speak my mind on this. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Michael, I, I didn't realize that, that, and maybe it's when I was away in the military, I didn't realize that we have had a, a voting polling booth set up in that juvenile justice center before. You said that we no, have No, we did had. not. No. There was one in that area of town. It was on the oh. other side of Morningside Drive outside the loop. And I, nobody voted there. That's why they got rid I, of I'm it. I'm surprised. Don't you don't you see that as a more of an industrial area, more th- rather than a residential area, Michael? There are residential areas out there, and again, the Texas Civil Rights Project is the one that brought this up. They 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 they, they are not members of this community. Uh, they right. did not contact us in any way, shape, form, or fashion. There there are other people in the community that have not disclosed their contacts and connections with the Texas Civil Rights Project, they may have known something about this and not, you know, communicated who, that to us. Who, who gave who gave the Civil Rights Project that authority is what I'm trying to figure out. What do you mean when you say authority? They just sent a letter. Well, you say the Civil Rights Project picked this site, so I'm saying who gave them that power to do that? No, they identified an area of the county that did not have a – polling place, you know, so, in what they okay, felt so was they a close okay, enough so pro- they, proximity to voters. So they okay, contacted so they the commissioner's okay. court, and the commissioner's okay. court identified that building that the county owns that is a very, very new building and suggested okay. that. The Texas Civil okay, Rights so Project say, oh, okay, agreed so with right. that location and called it okay, completely so, satisfactory. Okay, so the Civil Rights Project, they picked the area and the commissioners picked the place. Is that what you're saying? Now, when you say the commissioners, no. I, I don't think even the commissioners knew about it. It was the judge well, and the county well, attorney. Who the that who, The judge and the county attorney, they suggested that. And the, the feedback and the I've gotten attorney. from okay. – the feedback that I've gotten from our single Democratic commissioner is that she didn't even know that any of this was going on until it came out in the press. Okay. So ain't that fishy? Ain't that suppression? Ain't that sneaky? Why you it sneaking? Is. It is. Well, you know, what well, you know earlier, you know, see, they said something about what well, I looked at and I thought, yeah, I think it's just a mistake. No, it wasn't no mistake. This is intentional. When you get two people who can make that decision, and then you keep, you know, I, I was left with the impression that the civil rights project takes the place. That's why I'm trying to make you be clear about that. Because I'm saying who they so okay, so they didn't pick it. They just picked the area. So, Correct. so so be clear about that. You know, do it, just be clear about that. That's all I'm saying. Like so, I said, there are three three documents that are available on our calendar, and you're welcome to take a look at those documents. 
Okay, great. And that's, we, we that's had, the we, website that I was asking for. That we have uh, a, calendar. It was, it was our it was our primary executive committee meeting on January third. There are three awesome. documents Thank attached you. to that. And okay, I'm, that's my, what I'm going to link. And on my Facebook page, I have spelled out the timeline of every detail of what happened with that. If you go to the Talbert Report on Facebook, there is a detailed okay. timeline of every single step in this process. Okay, I'll link that on the show notes as well. Thank you. Okay, great. Uh, Mr. Talbert, let me ask you this. You mentioned that it's supposed that they were looking for areas in northeast Tyler. So Correct. So you can juvenile justice area in northeast Tyler? It I is. I'd say, I would say that the center of the area that they identified is right around the intersection between the northeast loop and either Duncan Street or Morningside Drive. I would say probably Duncan Street, somewhere in there. But, yeah, it's in that area of, of northeast yeah. Tyler, which is a highly Hispanic area. There are several subdivisions okay. within that circle circle okay right um I, I guess my question was is that considered northeast because uh i know exactly where it is has been out there lots of times ask you this that it's really adjacent to if you line it up between texas college and and the juvenile justice center even though they're a few miles away from each other but they line up in the same direction uh in my opinion and i know that Many people have been before uh, the commissioner's court trying to get trying to get a voting booth on on Texas College campus as well as uh, other colleges uh, in our state. And who, mm-hmm. Okay, and who are those people? Well, you have some on the phone right now. That one would be me. One would be Dr. Nancy Nichols, and uh, I, I don't I can't remember who all else. But and, and this is not I, anything. Go ahead, Dr. Nancy. I would like to address that because we we should always work for solutions. And I had the opportunity to visit with two groups of students. I wasn't at Texas College, but I was at UT in Tyler uh, talking with two large groups of students. And this came up, and they really want a polling booth, a polling location there at the UT Tyler campus. And it's very simple why. There's a lot of students there. There's more than uh, 10,000 students there at the UT Tyler campus that are enrolled. And students are poor. Many students have problems with transportation. They have problems with scheduling. They want to be able to vote, but they have to be able to get to a polling location, and they have to have time to be able to vote. It only makes sense to put a polling location on a university campus, on a college campus. In fact, why shouldn't we encourage, want, and even demand to have polling locations on each of our three college campuses here in Tyler? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have, have, have you ever have you ever presented that to our election commission? Because that would be the body to work through to get that accomplished. Right. Actually, uh, Ms. Care. Uh, actually, we scheduled a meeting with uh, Dr. Arithia Mason, myself, and I can't remember who that third person was. Uh, well, no, I but think no. What I'm saying is, 
There's a Smith to, County Election Commission. Have you ever uh, spoken we with anybody with Karen, on the election commission? Karen Nelson is who we, as I was saying, that's who we scheduled the meeting with in 2018 to see to see if we could make that happen. McKellar, I, I'm plan. sorry, but I was told that the election that was a committee, meeting. Mrs. Albert, to come through your county executive committee to you and and your chairs. I'm sorry. And then Say it again. We should present their their findings and their feelings to the election committee. And they're going to vote on basically what you propose. Okay. Any comments in regards to that, Mr. Michael? So, yeah, I mean, if, if the CEC wants to do that, then, yes, we need to do that. But, no, it hasn't been suggested. It hasn't been proposed, you know, through our CEC. Yeah, right. I guess we should have gone. Well, I thought that when we spoke with, when we had the meeting with with Miss Karen Nelson, who is uh, who runs our election division, that she would carry that over to them to see if, if that we can make that happen. Because we we had we had a meeting with her, and it may have been 2017, 2017 or 18. Okay, so let's go back to now. Your, and, and talk a little bit about your election and what are some of the things that you want to see happen uh, moving forward from what has happened in the past. We know that, that we have a lot. We have, what, 73 precincts uh, uh, positions here in Tyler, Texas, and Smith County right now. How many of those do we have filled right now? 24. 24. So what, what's, what will be your goal uh, if you get reelected again to help to make sure that we start to fill some of those seats? To fill them with people that are honest, number one, capable, number two, and committed, number three. So how, how but I guess my question would be, how are we going to find those, those people? Because we always, we want that with all the people that are running for every office, even whether you, they're running for, for county chair, they're running for Congress, uh, city council, we want those qualities in all of our offices, but what are we going to do in order to make that happen? How are we going to find these people uh, to place these positions? Mr. McKellar, um, yes. be a precinct chair. You need to be a registered voter and live in that precinct. Mr. Talbot, right. if you are asking somebody if they are honest, who makes that call? The voters who and the precinct chairs. The voters and the precinct chairs. That should not even be a question asked of a precinct chair. Did someone ask nobody's, you that county chair? Nobody's asking that question. She, no, hold on, wait. She, she asked me a question. She asked me what I wanted. That's what I want. But no, but nobody's asking that. When you say what you want, you're representing Smith County. Not Michael Talbot. You are representing Smith County. And if you have a resident of that precinct who is a registered voter and wants to be a precinct chair, I certainly hope you don't ask them about whether or not they're honest. You know, one thing I would want to do is if we have people that are felons, that are, you know, con uh, convicted sex offenders, no, we would not want them having access to sensitive information about our voters. So, yes, we do want people with honesty and integrity. But do, is that a questionnaire that we fill out? No. But 
to to ask me what sort of people do I want filling those positions, those are the type of people that I want filling those positions. And I would hope that the voters can make that determination. And if the people are appointed by our CEC, I would hope that our CEC can make that determination. Yeah, I would I would agree. If the CEC makes that determination, but please put everyone who volunteers or want to serve in that position before the CEC and let them make that choice. That's what we've always done. Please, thank you. Okay. So how are we going to find these these people since we have only 23 people out of uh, 73 precincts? That's a, that's a serious deficit that we have there. What are we going to put in place to make sure that we get these uh, these precinct chairs in place? Because that is that is a key issue of that that we, we just got to make happen because how are we going to be able to knock on those doors, make those phone calls to all of the people throughout uh, throughout our territory if we don't have people in place to do that. So what, what, what's your plan for doing that, I guess, would be the question. You know, from a historical perspective, this is a higher number than we've ever had in the history of this county that I've known in the last uh, over 10 years. So okay. it, it's the same as with voters. You know, we have people that are only presidential year voters. Well, We've got to get them to the next level to where they understand that it's important to vote in every election. Sure. Um, there are people that, that feel like I vote, so I'm doing enough. Well, we've got to get them to the next level where they understand that it's not enough to just vote. You've got to bring somebody with you. And then the next level is not enough to bring somebody with you. You've got to volunteer and help recruit other people to be involved and in, in leaders. So it's an ongoing process. Absolutely. I, I, t- I totally agree with it. So give us your thumbs, please. Give us, um, uh, we're, we're getting close to the end. I don't know if anybody else has any other questions uh, of uh, Mr. Michael Talbot, who is the sitting uh, county chair for Smith County right now and has been there for a couple of years or so, uh, worked in the community. As a matter of fact, he, um, he put on an event with me uh, to, uh, when I was running for, uh, for Congress. Uh, because one one of the things that I said uh, when I was running for Congress is that I wanted to see I wanted to see more involvement with federal candidates, uh, not just uh, everybody on the Democratic ticket, uh, and and I didn't see that uh, with for me when I was running for uh, for Congress, and so I, that's that's the one thing that I want to see, and then I'm going to ask for whomever. Uh, sits in that seat as a Smith County chair because I live in Smith County. Is that we have to work uh, with all candidates, and I believe in coordinated campaigns. And I know that the uh, that the uh, Democratic uh, Party uh, can do things uh, to help to make sure that all Democrats, because I'm a Democrat, so that's why I'm talking. I'm talking about Democrats uh, that that all Democrats are elected, and so we cannot just work with one campaign. We got to work exclusively with all, especially during the primary, and then after that, then we all work uh, together to make sure that the person who wins the primary uh, actually wins the seat. Uh, Dr. Nancy Nichols, I think you you sent me a message that you have a final comment uh, or question uh, for Mr. Talbot before we let him uh, do his final and tell us anything and everything that he wants us to know about why we should vote for him again during. Uh, during this next uh, election. Dr. Nichols, go ahead. 
I just want to comment that I'm excited when I have put it out with the Democratic Club to bring forward precinct chairs. We have had quite a few precinct chairs who came forward enthusiastically. Yes, very green, of course, needing to gather knowledge, but very enthusiastic and hardworking individuals who have subsequently worked hard to gain the body of information needed to be a precinct chair and have moved forward doing events within their precinct and events all across Smith County and indeed worked hard last night to bring in uh, Michael Cooper, one of our candidates for the U.S. Senate. Um, Very proud of our new precinct chairs, and I have not found that it's all that hard. You know, it's kind of like that ask and it shall be given thing. However, I have to say that when a precinct chair comes forward as part of the CEC, I would hope that everyone, including our county chair, would enthusiastically embrace them and not grill them and, and, and do criminal background checks and such as that because that really does deflate the enthusiasm and it's embarrassing. It's also just plain demeaning. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Doc, uh, Dr. Nancy Nichols, uh, and I think Ms. Sharon Bear. We're gonna we're gonna give uh, Mr. Michael the final uh, final time here. But Ms. Nancy, I think you had a uh, excuse me. I'm sorry, Ms. Sharon Barry, I think you had a, a comment, a uh, question, and then I think Mr. Mike, uh, Mr. Arthur Flemings has one, and then we're gonna let Mr. Mike in for for tonight. Who happens to be Ms. Sharon Barry? Who happens to be your sorority, uh, your fraternity brother? Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, Ms. Sharon. Oh, and I wanted to say, when you were speaking about um, coordinating campaigns, in addition to that, once we have people in office uh, elected, we are starting an accountability uh, committee where we will be doing performance evaluations on everybody elected. And those results will be published. Those um, the, the variables are done in accordance with the Department of, Just- Department of Justice and the um, state Texas state rules on how to uh, govern uh, counties. So, you know, we have a lot of, um, what we're actually doing is raising the ball, holding people's feet to the fire. And I am looking forward to it because now we have people who want to do the work, who are capable of doing the work, so we need to give them the tools to be successful. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate it. And thank you guys for tolerating me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, ma'am. It was a pleasure to have you on. We have a little yeah. bit more. Don't go yet. But, Mr. Arthur Fleming, do you have a final question? And I know, don't know if Ms. Rihanna has one or not, but we're getting to the end. We want to give uh, Mr. Michael uh, the last five minutes of, uh, of giving us his stump speech or whatever it is that he wants us to know. Mr. Fleming, your final question. You might have us on mute, Mr. Fleming. Yes, (laughs) unmute your phone, Mr. Fleming, and ask your final question. Go ahead, Ms. Rihanna, if you have it. Have one for Mr. Michael. Okay. Okay, it's on mute. Okay. Yes, go ahead. All right. I was about to pass you up. Okay. Okay. Uh, Okay. I just want to ask uh, ask candidates one question. What uh, what is the main one thing that makes you different from your opponent if you have one? And and, and if you win – would you 
be more open to addressing issues like voter suppression uh, and deal with some of the things that prohibit our community from voting down that area. It's been it's historic, uh, uh, you know, you, you know, down there. So, uh, would you commit to making that a better situation for the uh, folks down in East Texas, black folks mainly? Did you hear me? Yes. Is yes. that for me? You're... Yes. Okay. So uh, first to, you know, um, there, there are four boxes of communication. There's what you say about yourself, what you say about your opponent, what your opponent says about himself, and what uh, your opponent says about you. I'm going to address first uh, what I say about myself. One of, one of the things that my opponent has, has talked about is transparency. And I think it's important that, you know, when we're having these discussions, that we know um, a person's perspective. You know, if a person is working for a campaign, you know, I think that everybody in the discussion needs to understand what their interest is in the discussion. So that's, that's one thing, just to kind of have some transparency. Uh, to Mr. Fleming's question about different. Uh, number one, I have experience. I've been involved with this party since 2008. You know, I came in as a volunteer. I volunteered with the campaign. I've been involved in um, our local county politics. I've gone to Austin. I've gone, I've gone to all over the state of Texas involved in politics. I've been to D.C. to uh, advocate for policy. So I have been intimately, personally involved in, in politics, and I've learned a lot of important things in politics. Um, a while back, right after the um, 2016 election, I was invited to a roundtable discussion. Our congressman was there, a retired judge, our state senator, our county sheriff were there, and me. I was the only Democrat on that panel. And we discussed a broad array of issues. And they probably thought that, you know, I'm young, I, I don't know what, what I'm talking about, but I had to know what I was talking about to be able to defend our party and make our party look good. So it's important that the person in this position actually know what they're doing, what they're talking about, have some basic understanding of what political parties are for, how our government works. So that's what's different about me. I have that experience. You know, when it, it, so that, that's the first thing. As far as voter suppression, please understand that, you know, um, this past Martin Luther King Day, there was a group of people going around the Tyler Square passing out flyers saying, I don't want to go to jail to vote. They were walking up to black people on Martin Luther King Day in the middle of the Martin Luther King Day celebration telling them, that I voted for a child jail for a voting center. Okay? That is dishonest. You know, that's what Republicans do. When they create fake websites to try to mislead voters, that's what they're doing. They're lying to people for their own personal gain. We should not be doing that at all, and especially to ourselves. So, no, I am not interested whatsoever in uh, supporting voter suppression. I, I am wholeheartedly behind having 
polling places at all of the major institutions of higher learning. Uh, Texas College, TJC, UT Tyler, yes, I am wholeheartedly for it. And because I have a working relationship built on respect and uh, honest communication, I think that if I present that to our county judge, there is a very high likelihood that we will get something somewhere with that. So, you know, again, what, what, what distinguishes me from my opponent is that I'm honest. You know, um, at our first forum, I asked the audience who voted in the 2018 senatorial election, and we all know how important that election was. My opponent raised his hand and said he voted. Well, we all know every single one of us have access to VAN or, you know, some sort of voter database that knows that voting history is public record. Of course, not who you voted for, but did you vote? He lied. I mean, why lie about something like that unless you have something to hide? So, number one, honesty. Um, you know, again, the transparency issue. If you did something wrong, admit it. Don't say you didn't do it. You know, people are more likely to accept your, your reason for why you did it than to accept a lie that you didn't do it. So that is what I'm running on is experience, honesty, and integrity. And that's what we need in any sort of political leader, you know, because all of our to, – to be able to support all of our candidates, you know, we need to set a, a good example. We need to know how to set a standard so that we are beyond reproach. So that's what I feel like I have brought to this position and will continue to bring to this position. Well, thank okay. you. Thank you. Mr. Chairman Barry, did you have, did you have a comment? I think yes, I wanted to correct Mr. Tolbo on something. You said everyone had access to the van. That is not true. Van is not accessible to everyone. If they have it in Smith County, you gave them to it. No, I'm you talking know. to the people. I'm talking to the people on this phone call. Oh, okay. I I heard that you said uh, something with your opponent. I was, I believe. And you said they had access to the van. No, and they knew no, 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 no. Not everybody has access to the van. But I know that the people that are on this call are either activists or party officials. So you know, I, I don't know about uh, Mr. Fleming, but the, the majority of the people on this call know that voting history is public record. That's an easily verifiable fact. May I address okay. that? Please. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, I believe Mr. Tolbert is making reference to a specific candidate forum, which he asked the audience and those candidates present to raise their hand if they had voted in the last election. Yes, he used the terms in the last election. Um, he went on to clarify or he went on to say the most recent uh, U.S. senatorial election, I believe he was referring to the midterm of 2018, and sitting in the audience, sitting on the first row, I looked around because I was confused. I wasn't really sure where he was going with this, whether I was supposed to raise my hand or not, or what election he was talking about. That, <clears throat> that's just me. And I saw that there was some confusion on other the faces of the other people present there. Now, 
if um, he was referring to the most recent election, which was um, the election of 2019, our local election. Yes, indeed, we know that his opponent voted in that election. And if we are looking back to 2018, perhaps that's what Mr. Tolbert was referring to. But it was it was confusing, and I'm not really sure where Mr. Tolbert's going with this, other than trying to say that someone was misleading someone else. And I think we may know who that someone is. Thank you. Okay. So yeah, I have a I have a video of that. Uh, forum, and you're welcome to take a look at that video on my website, <laughs> michaeltalbert.com. We all are inside. Okay, Mr. Arthur. Okay, now we've come down to the end, uh, and, and, and I'm just, I'm just going to say we got about one minute left. Uh, Mr. Talbot, so I'm going to give you that opportunity, and then we're going to bring John uh, Walton in on our show uh, because I, I, since that comment was made, I think it's only fair. Go ahead, Mr. Uh, Michael Talbot. It was great to have you on tonight. Go ahead. Your I'm final sorry, comment. I... Yes, just your oh, final I'm comment. One minute left, so yeah. I want to give you the last comment. Oh, uh, let's see. You know, um, that that seems to be a common question being asked here. What is the the problem uh, between the Smith County Democratic Party and the Democratic Club of Smith County? Um, you know, if if a family is having a disagreement, if an outsider, let's say a cop walks in, they're got not going to know the full context of it. They're going to try to ask questions, ask both parties before they make a determination. Well. You know, if you ask the party that is causing the problem what the problem is, you're going to get a false answer. So before you can solve a problem, you need to understand how to actually determine what the problem is. And, you know, again, some of that requires intellectual honesty. And, again, that's that's what I'm running on is honesty, integrity, and experience. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, Ms. Dr. Nancy, did you say something quickly? Did you have a comment? We have just a minute or so, and then we're going to start playing One our music. Thank you so much for being on the show. It will be out. It will be out. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be sure. The heavens, no man, no weapon formed against. Yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. 
justice is juxtapositioning us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, his spirit is revisiting us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walk through Ferguson with our hands up. When it goes down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. Shots, we on the ground. The camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day when the glory comes, it will be out. It will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, no. Glory, glory, oh. glory, glory, now the war. Every man, woman, and child. Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd. They march with the torch. We gon' run with it now. Never look back. We done gone hundreds of miles. From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero. Facing the league of justice. His power was the people. Enemy is lethal. A king became regal. Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego. The biggest weapon. It's to stay peaceful, we sing, our music is the cuts that we bleed through. Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany. Now we right the wrongs in history. No one can win the war individually. It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy. Welcome to the story we call victory. The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory. One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.